Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, and welcome to the Jewel Network Science Broadcast Frequency. The Jewel Network is a radio frequency of continuous streaming science, knowledge, and wisdom, which promotes and sustains the activation of present evolutionary process of immortality and the unfolding of the God Self within the evolutionary planetary society on planet Earth. The Jewel Network is committed to broadcasting the science of life and the science of living. By cultivating the mind of a scientist, you'll be enabled to extract the very best the current 21st century has to offer. You are listening to Deborah's Healing Kitchen with your host, author, speaker, and myth culinary expert with Dr. Joel Pukum's EQ Medicine Professional Alliance, Miss Deborah Peak Haynes. Hello. Welcome to Deborah's Healing Kitchen. We appreciate you tuning in today to hear a very dynamic young woman, and I am very excited to finally get her. She's very busy, and so it took us a while to actually get her on the schedule, but we have her now, and I would love to introduce you to Sufficient Bien, who is our guest today. Sufficient, how are you? I'm doing great, Ma. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you. Now that I have you. It's been a long time, but we made it happen. So thank you for taking time out of your very, very busy schedule. Sufficient is a woman of great faith, and she is in the healthcare uh, field, and I want her to share information about her. I have some specific questions to ask, and I think we can glean some wisdom from Sufficient and also hear a little bit more about what she's doing. So Sufficient, please share with our listeners where you were born, and how long have you been in the United States? Okay, great. <laughs> that is good to know. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be finally here with you. I actually was born in Nigeria, River State Portaco, to be precise. I grew up in Nigeria for my teenage years. I was in Nigeria from when I was born to 18, 19, before okay. I went to the Ukraine to study in the medical school in, in Ukraine. But um, both of my parents, they were both missionaries mm. as regarding what gave me the inspiration to go into medicine. And um, growing up as a kid, I suffered a lot because most of the positions where probably they were serving, we had difficulties with medical facilities. Mm-hmm. Some of the communities never had hospital. Mm. And um, health care was a big issue. So my dad would do both the job of a pastor, a doctor, he would treat wounds and all this stuff. Wow. So, yeah, that was what gave me the inspiration. I really wanted to take medical health care back to those interior communities where they don't have access to those things. Then coming to my faith, um, it's been a very interesting journey. I gave my life to Christ at the age of five. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, and um, I received the Holy Ghost baptism with the evidence of tongues. I don't know if, basically, if you people believe in that. I know there are some believers that are not really so much into that at the same age. Yes, so, yes. There are yeah. Some, yes, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. 
so it's been a, a, a beautiful journey since then. From then, I started ministry at the age of 10. I did my first open-air crusade when I was 10 years old. So I wouldn't know if I would say he's a robber from my parents or probably that is how God chose it to be, but that was how it started. So well, when so I... May I ask you a question before you continue? Excuse me for interrupting, but I wanted to ask you, what made you go to the Ukraine for medical school as opposed to some other place? Okay. Firstly, I was supposed to study in Nigeria, but um, the population of Nigeria is larger than the number of universities we have, so there is a lot of difficulties when it comes to those choice of courses that are very um, um, how the competitive, right? So <laughs> it's not very diffi- it's not very easy to have access to those, especially um, medicine and some other professional courses. Then I had other options. There were the options of coming to the U.S. or the U.K. or any other country for that matter. But um, the U.S. was pretty very expensive to uh-huh. study. Yes. The same with the U.K. And in comparison, Ukraine was very cheaper. And um, their medical schools are very good. So Good. They, yeah. So comparing everything. And um, they in, in Ukraine, I was going to study for six years. Well, if I was going to come to the U.S., um, I think I was supposed to do a four-year prep program before going into the medical school. And from our research, what I was supposed to pay for just a year in medical school in the U.S. is enough to take me through medical school in the Ukraine. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, I understand that. So it sounds like from your family and what you got from your parents, it sounds like they rubbed up on you very much because, of course, you have your very strong faith and your your faith walk and then your very strong interest in the medical field and helping people. So when you were in Ukraine, was their medical school very westernized or were they open to more holistic or different types of of healing techniques and information? Or was it just strictly very westernized? Oh, well, it it was basically westernized. The holistic medicine I did was what I have to do out of the school scope. Mm. So, yeah, it was westernized. But before I, I got into the medical school, finally, we have basically, because of the background I came from and trying to help people with the little you have, so there was a lot of more like diets, practicing of nutrition, holistic medicine, yeah, and different approaches. So I was already exposed to that factor before getting into medical school. So for me, medical school was not just like business as usual. Right. I was always going outside the scope of what I'm giving to find, you know, a better way what right. could be done before trying chemicals. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. So so then um, you are in this, this country now, and are you – in school now, in medical school now, and what do you plan to do after? Oh, yeah, okay. I'm not in medical school. I'm actually, I'm a medical doctor, so I don't need to go to medical school anymore. Okay. So the only thing I need now is to get my medical license to practice in the U.S. Mm 
I see. So, yes, that is what I'm working on. And um, basically, I have to write like three to four steps of the licensing exams, USMLE <laughs> step one, step two, step three, and four. So those are quite cost effective. That is right. what I'm working towards, yeah. Will you have to do any type of residency or, or you've completed all of that, so now you just have to get these certifications? Is that how it works? When I get the certification, then I will go into residency in the area of medicine I want to specialize in. Okay. In the Do you know what that yeah. is? Do you know which area that is? Yes. I want to go into obstetrics and gynecology and the subspecialty of fertility. Yeah. Oh, what's, what's the last specialty you said? Fertility. Oh, fertility. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. wonderful. Well, that's wonderful. And... Um, why are you looking at fertility? Is it because you you see is this a huge need in this country or just in general? Oh, basically, I see it as a huge need mm -hmm. because, firstly, the reason why I went into medicine was to help people back at home, and that vision is still there. So it's a huge need for the women back where I'm coming from. There's a lot of stigmatization for women who cannot give birth. It's like you're a second-class citizen if you're married for two, three years in my country and you cannot give birth. And in yeah. most of those situations, those women are stigmatized, mean white, uh, but they don't really have access. Mm. They don't really know. They don't have access to the information or, on what to do to solve the problem. Right. So it's a huge issue, especially for those interior communities. I'm not talking of the cities right now. Right. Nigeria is quite open. The cities have big hospitals and all that, but there are still interior communities where people are suffering like that. So that was it too. And secondly, I had that in my own family. Mm -hmm. My older sister really struggled with the issue of fertility. Two of my sisters actually. So that was what motivated me to look into that area as a specialty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure you're aware that that subject is really a big subject now in this country with so many women struggling. And, of course, while you may not have heard it, but my story, how I got on the path of holistic medicine is when I met a holistic MD because I was struggling with fertility. Okay. And after going through uh, what she had for me to do, which had a lot to do with nutrition, and how I was feeding myself, how I was caring for myself, and going through all of that, then I was able to conceive and have a healthy daughter. So, oh wow! I know that this is also a huge subject here. However, women—I'm sure you know—women here are stigmatized, but maybe not to the same level as back in your country. Right. So, I, I think that's wonderful that you are going to, you know, give back so that women know that they have some answers and they can get some help. Is right. there is there any type of is there anything that you have learned as far as your own health that you incorporate daily as far as keeping yourself healthy because I you know I see you you look great and just want to know do you have any daily or self-care regimen that you follow that you think that would be helpful to any women listening to you now? Oh, a lot. A lot. A, lot? Well, a little self-care. <laughs> Give us a summary of some of the things that you like to do for yourself. Yeah, but the, the, the reason why I'm laughing is it's a lot, but it's not something a lot of people approve of. Like medically, you're not 
as a doctor, you're not supposed to be advising people on that. But this is Some for people. you, what you do for yourself. Yes. Yes. You can exactly. talk about that, right? Oh. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, you could do whatever you want for yourself. I mean, just some things that you do for yourself that have helped you. Okay. So basically, and um, for me, apart from the physical perspective, what I'm going to share now is what's my spiritual routine. So this helps yes. me both spiritually and physically. Yeah. So it's more like um using one stone to key two beds. Yeah. So usually what I do is I practice intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. So um well it is a common saying that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. But um for over I don't know for how long now for some years now, I can't really give a number to it. I dedicated my breakfast to God. So, oh, awesome. you know, yeah, so I don't eat breakfast normally. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it doesn't really work for me to start with. So mm-hmm. it was just an important way, you know, to call that out. Then the second thing I do is before now, once in every month, I do like three to five days of just water fasting for cleansing. Mm. So I that gives my stomach the break and helps the body to detoxify. Right. So each time I those during those my period of fasting and praying, mm-hmm. I get activated spiritually. My relationship with God is fired up as well as my body undergoing detoxification and cleansing. Mm-hmm. And um, coming to the U.S. with the way everything was with me when I came here without any medical insurance and all that. So that is actually the way I've been treating myself. This is crazy, but there was a time last year I had an injury in my knees, both knees, due to skipping. I was skipping ropes on hardwood for like a thousand times. Then I injured my my both knees. Yeah, so it was horrible. I couldn't bend. I couldn't even walk first. I went to, you know, do an X-ray in the hospital. I did a walk-in, and they told me I could not do an X-ray without um, all the news to know what I would do about it. They told me I couldn't do an X-ray without um, a doctor's prescription. Mm-hmm. So I went back and um, started my research on that. I went on a 16 days water fast, and after the fasting, every pain and everything was gone. Wow. So not everybody can do that, so I cannot advise anyone to do that. You have to know your medical condition and know your health um, standard, and you have to be someone who has been practicing that before you can go that long. But it's something I've been doing, and it's very healthy for me. Mm -hmm. It helps me keep my weight in check. I really don't do much. I eat healthily. I don't really, I'm not into dieting as per quantity of food. Mm-hmm. I but I'm more into dieting as by the quality. Mm-hmm. I eat healthily. I eat a lot of healthy fats, vegetables, fruits, and um, every other thing I need. So I don't deprive myself of from red meat or I don't have those restrictions. I just mm-hmm. eat whole food, healthy food to mm-hmm. my satisfaction. But mm-hmm. because of this intermittent fastings and all that I do, helps to keep my weight in check. So I've not really had an issue of weight gain to an excessive um, limit for, I can't remember, I think from high school. 
Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in my family as a whole, there is a high tendency of obesity. All my siblings, um, we are a family of seven, and out of the seven kids, five are obese. Oh, wow. The other one is overweight. Wow. Right. So do they, so, ask, yeah. you what, do they ask you for advice on how to maintain better weight? Oh, yeah, I'm working on that with them now. It's not... It's not the lack of knowledge, it's the discipline. <laughs> right, of course. It's always you don't do, you just yeah. don't do it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. not the lack of knowledge, it's the discipline. So, well, well, let me ask you this. How is your diet or has your diet changed since you've been in the United States compared to how you were raised? Oh, okay. It's pretty challenging in the U.S. for me because um, it's the reverse. Back in Nigeria, organic foods are cheaper than the organized food because, you know, it's more like directly from the farm you buy from the local people. Or back in the U.S., it's the reverse. The organic is more expensive than the the homonized ones. So that is the only challenge I have. I don't really have problem with the diet here, but, you know, trying to get organic of everything because of the cost effect. Right. That is just a major challenge. Back in the Ukraine, is similar to what we have in Nigeria. You could actually go to farmers and buy from local people at mm-hmm. a very cheap rate. Right. Then it is when you go to the supermarket that you get this expensive, which is the homonized product. So that is the only difference. Apart from that, I think everything is okay with the diet. But right. it's right. the chemicals. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, uh, my husband and I, we've traveled quite a bit overseas, and I would say just about every place we've been, you know, whether it was on the continent of Africa or if it was Europe, it was Asia, all the food was organic. They didn't have the chemicals in their food, and I found that all the food usually tastes better than this country because, right? yeah, it's fresher, it's just from, from yes. the farm right to the table. So right. I do I do understand what you're saying about having more access, whereas in this country many times organic is a lot more expensive when it doesn't necessarily have to be. But um, that's why we have a organic garden at our church. And oh, I'm, interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm helping uh, one of the high schools I'm working with to develop an organic garden with my consultant. So, yeah, I think that is a really good point that you make, that you grew up knowing that the vegetables were organic. So it wasn't like a big deal. It's just that's what everybody did. No, actually I farmed. So we just go to the farm and get our vegetables. It was usually our product. So, yeah, it yeah. was purely organic. We 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 grew our food, basically. Right. So, yeah. Well, you may you may or may not know this, but when I was growing up, and my I grew up in a, a town in New Jersey right off of the ocean, but I would say just about everyone, we had a, um, our community was mostly African American. It was a small community, but everyone knew everyone. It was a nice neighborhood. Right. But everyone had a garden in the summer. Everybody had a garden. Oh, wow. So I, I grew up knowing that every year we were going to grow our vegetables. Right. And during the summer, we also had fresh berries. We had apples and pears in the fall. And so back then, it was very normal for people to have gardens and fruit trees in their yard. 
Right. But, yeah, so now things have changed, and now I think people are thinking about going back to that way of living because that was so right. much healthier. Yeah. So much healthier. Yeah. So did you have as many fast food restaurants in Nigeria as we do here? <laughs> I don't oh, think. Well, well the, the thing is, basically, those are coming up now, but growing up, that wasn't an issue. As a matter of fact, I still don't eat out now because I grew up in a home where we don't eat out. It wasn't a, it wasn't an option. Right. You know, you know, having excess is another problem too because we didn't have that luxury. First uh-huh. of all, and my mom was a nutritionist, so oh, she never trusted great. food that was made out. Yeah. So it was a culture. My dad doesn't. It doesn't matter where he goes, so he never eat out. He he. According to him, no one could cook like my mom. Well, so, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so she, he would rather feed on fruits and all that he gets home, basically. And right. um, they were always together, anyways, wherever they were going and all that. So she was always cooking. It was a big part of, you know, what she believed in. So right. we never really ate out. I can't even remember a scenario when we went out to eat while I was growing up. No. My mom would cook these big buffets and invite people and all that. It was what she loved doing, nutrition, catering and all that. So I never had any issue of fast food until I left the house after high school. Mm-hmm. So even after high school, maybe I could count the number of times because I did a preliminary course before I went to the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Then when I got to the Ukraine, you start having friends going on dates. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, but growing up, now nah, I didn't have an issue of fast food. Wow, but it mm. sounds like you did have where people would come over, so you had family and friends that would eat with you sometime. Yes. Yeah, yes. I think that's, I think that's wonderful. I think that's how it should be, and yes. it's so much healthier, you know? Sure. Yeah, so I, I think that's wonderful. Well, there are definitely some similarities, and hopefully people will get back to, uh, you know, growing their own foods, and so then you know more about where your food is coming from, and hopefully right. it will help us to be, you know, healthier. But, you know, I just want to say I commend you for what you're doing and also making sure that your faith is first because I think anytime someone um, engages with a medical professional, to me, it makes me feel much better when I know the person has, you know, faith in God because it's right. not all about us. It's about, sure. you know, what the Lord has for us to do to help other people. So I commend you for that and making sure that, you know, it is it's a big part of who you are. And so I'm sure you're going to be extremely successful as you move forward. I trust God for that. <laughs> yes, so do you see yourself practicing in the United States before you go back to Nigeria? Basically, I actually don't think I will practice for long. Mm-hmm. So I might practice, but not for long. I'm basically depending on how God leads. Yeah. So what I hope to do is to establish a process. Maybe I could, depending, employ people to do the work I want in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I will be going more into missions. You know, I, yeah, um, I am passionate about public speaking, you Mm -hmm. know, empowering women and youth. So that was what I started when I was in Ukraine. I had a whole ministry built around that. So 
medicine is just like a platform. Not mm-hmm. all there is I'm supposed to do. So maybe for a few years I would do, I would practice medicine, but I don't see myself practicing medicine and dying as a medical doctor in the medical field, no. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more of missions and taking the gospel and medical equipment facilities to the interior places that I want to reach with the gospel and uh, medications that they need for everyday living. Right. Now, you you have been on, is it YouTube? People can actually go on YouTube and hear you speak? Um, Or is there, do you have a website or should they go to a YouTube channel or just Google your name if they want to hear you? Oh, okay. I think um, I have a couple of videos on YouTube. Right now, my website is not active at the moment. Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to hear me, it's going to be YouTube. If they want to contact me, it's going to be my email, com, and I will respond. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, you know, yeah. I have to apologize to you because I should have said, this is Dr. Sufficient Bien. So, oh, that's okay. Yes. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yes, but no. We need to make sure our listeners know this is Dr. Sufficient Bien. And before we go, tell me, um, do you have any words of wisdom you would like to share with anyone that just needs encouragement? Because it sounds like you've you've been through a lot and you're doing a lot. So is there anything encouraging you would like to say, you know, this is a very difficult time that we're living in. There's so many changes. There's a virus. There's, you know, uprising because of injustice. So I think it's always good to give encouragement. And since you're a woman of faith, is there anything you'd like to share with us just to encourage us as we go through this time? Oh, yeah. Basically, the number one thing I would say is, Trust in God. Mm-hmm. That is what has kept me true up to this moment is trust in God, knowing that even if every other thing fails, God never fails. Mm-hmm. So faith in God is what keeps believers going even when every other person feels like giving up on life. Mm-hmm. So the is the ultimate thing, knowing mm-hmm. that there is always someone there who has your back. Right. You know, just like Psalm 91 says, he will lead you, he will protect you. You know, though a thousand may fall on your right and on your left, it will not come near you. Mm-hmm. So we have a heavenly father is a covering, a sheet. So when I think of the greatness of God and how big and mighty he has been to me and from generations past, every other situation that is I'm facing at the moment becomes little because I know he's greater than everything. Mm. So what I try to do every day, I try more to concentrate on the greatness and might of God, not on the greatness or the might of my difficulties and my situations or trials. Mm -hmm. So when I focus on the beauty and the greatness of God, it neutralizes the greatness or probably I would say the magnitude Mm -hmm. of what is surrounding me. So, faith in God, trust in God, and um, believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. That is the ultimate goal. As long as those are in place, definitely there is no way you would trust in God and he will fail you. 
Right. The problem is when we trust in the system, when we trust in the government, when we right. trust in family, there is no other thing to trust in but in God. He's the only one that can never fail. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you. That is much needed, and I do agree with you. Because when we are focused on God, then our problems seem a whole lot smaller. Right. That we're trusting in him to help us work through it and work it out on our behalf. So I really appreciate you taking this time with a sufficient, Dr. Sufficient Bien, and I mm-hmm. hope that you will be open to coming back to Deborah's Healing Kitchen uh, once again. And for all the listeners, thank you for taking time to listen to this wonderful woman who has so much to give, whether it's in healthcare or her faith. We just appreciate her, appreciate her so much. Well, thank you for listening to Deborah's Healing Kitchen, and please tune in again. We look forward to bringing you more information to encourage you on your path to health and wellness. Thank you once again. Thank you so much for having me. You're more than welcome. And also, you can go to my website for more information. That's Deborah Peak. Haynes.com, D-E-B-R-A-P-E-E-K-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Bien. Thank you. Deborah P. Haynes here each Tuesday at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on the Joy Network. Hosted by thejewelnetwork.com, e4medicine.com, and deborahshealingkitchen.com for our complete broadcast schedule, additional information, and to purchase products, please visit our website at www.thejewelnetwork.com. For our complete broadcast schedule, additional information, and to purchase products, please visit our website at www. TheJordanNetwork.com. If you'd like to contact Miss Deborah, please send your email to Deborah P. Kane at JUIS.education. Follow us on Facebook at Deborah's Healing Kitchen. Thank you. This broadcast is under full copyright and trademark protection owned by the House of Jewels. This broadcast in its entirety, nor any part of this broadcast, can be reproduced, copied, transcribed, placed in podcast format, placed into mp3 format or suspended on any internet digital location without express permission from the house of jewels washington state usa to reproduce or suspend this broadcast in any digital location other than the jewel network is prohibited and legal proceedings will follow accordingly thank you for listening